So welcome to the recap at the end of week 32. Congratulations again on covering another two weeks. Um, we've gone through 31 and 32. We started off in Jeremiah uh, and we covered a little bit of that in week 30 in the recap. And so we dealt with a little bit of background of Jeremiah and we're still going through that to a certain extent. But now as we continue into week 33, we move on to also touch on Ezekiel. And so today I'm going to look a little bit at the background to Ezekiel, just to give you a little bit of uh, of context, maybe just to get you thinking about some things as we go through that. But first I just want to mention Habakkuk and then Daniel. And we've gone through both of those as we've started this week, uh, during these last two weeks also. All all of these are prophets. Again, we, we talked about prophets in one of the previous recaps. All of these are, are men who have come to speak to God's people in some way and to use different forms of that to speak in different ways. Um, but these are prophets who are coming to try and remind this people of who they are and who they're supposed to be and of what God calls them to and maybe of where they find themselves at that moment. Habakkuk's one of the minor prophets. We have these major and minor prophets. The major prophets are, are the bigger ones, the Jeremiah's, the Ezekiel's, uh, and such like that. The smaller, more minor prophets are the likes of Habakkuk, the likes of Zephaniah, Haggai, um, the ones that we find really closer to the end of the Old Testament and which are shorter. They're just known as the minor prophets, um, really just because the, the their work is just smaller. It's not as heavy, it's not as big, it's not as... Um, grand in that sense uh, and so Habakkuk it's also because there's not much known about them and Habakkuk's a good example of that he's someone who they don't really know a lot about there's there's debates over his name even and what his name means there's debates over what kind of prophet he might have been um, but one interesting thing to note is the Talmud and the Talmud is the the Jewish rabbinical sources and so where we would use commentaries in the Protestant language and, and our um, ministers like myself went to a um, Bible college or a seminary as they would say in the states these Jewish thinkers all of that's done within the circle of, of their rabbinical teachers but these rabbinical teachers who are the, the professors if you want to say it they have these codes and write these codes and some of them are called the Talmud uh, and the Talmud is the kind of grand word for it which actually translated means teaching or instruction so that's where they get it from um, the Talmud reports in Makot 23b, um, there's a remark about Habakkuk. It says Moses gave Israel 613 commandments in the Old Testament and all that surround, not the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments and all that surround those. David reduced them to ten, Isaiah to two, but Habakkuk to one in chapter two, verse four, where he says the righteous shall live by his faith. And so that was one thing that was noticed about Habakkuk. As we went through, and you would have touched on on that passage, Habakkuk reduced it down to that one. That's the essential tenet of what he tries to say. The other we passed at quickly was Daniel. Daniel, the couple of chapters that we looked like are the easy chapters of Daniel, and we'll get into the others at some point. Um, it's talked about as being a book of polarities, a book of kind of two halves. The first six chapters are this. The, as a book, the, the introduction to Old Testament, again I'm using this this recap, um, it says the first six chapters are the kind of staple of Sunday school classes and holiday Bible schools and a couple of years of holiday Bible clubs, we did one a couple of years ago in the first couple of chapters of Daniel on the other hand, when we get into the, the visions in the last chapters in the second half of Daniel, there's these complex visions and weird language and 
different types of storytelling and so there's kind of two halves to Daniel where one's very easy to understand and straightforward and you can use it for children to kind of show them and, and help them learn and then there's this other half which is just incredibly complex and strange and weird uh, and we'll touch on that at some other point but that weird and strange brings us into the book of Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel is at times easy and straightforward it is at times um well uh, at times rare are those times but at times straightforward and easy but then at other times it has this sense of mystery of symbolism of allegory which is the telling of, of a story uh, and that really starts from the outset in the, the first chapters of Ezekiel when he goes into this real detail um, about his vision of God and all that God entails uh, and the way that he looks upon God and the appearance uh, and all the the words he uses for that like the gleam of beryl and uh, all of the these words that he tries to describe it with are just quite incredible and quite weird and not how we would describe God if we were to try and describe God or try to to put into words our vision of God I doubt it would be anything like that of Ezekiel. That doesn't make it right or wrong, that doesn't make it good or bad, but that just gives us such a, a bigger vision uh, about him. Ezekiel was a prophet again. He was calling, he, he was called as a priest, and so God then calls him to serve as a prophet and reveals this vision to him. Um, it says that an eligible man ordinarily began his service in the temple when he reached 30 years of age. However, Ezekiel was unable, unable to fulfill his calling as a priest while living in exile. And so at this point in exile, Jerusalem has been conquered and they have been spread. And that's the history of which Ezekiel is born into. And that's why we find it in the middle of this book of Jeremiah, which tells us all about the, the downfall of Jerusalem and the scattering of um, the Israelites into the uh Dispara, Dispora, Dispara, um which they find themselves in as uh, they're spread around all the, the countries that surround them and so that's where Ezekiel is born into he's living in exile and so instead of Ezekiel beginning his pr priestly vocation in the temple where God has called Jerusalem he finds himself to be a prophet where God has found him placed him in, in the middle of nowhere essentially it's a weird book, it's a wonderful book, it's a book at which people have kind of gazed at and wondered and we would gaze at and kind of go, well, that's all just a little bit weird. Um, some people have said that Ezekiel had some sort of mental health problem. Um, again, from this introduction to the Old Testament, which is a great book, if you ever want to find out more about any of the books of the Old Testament, and an introduction to the Old Testament gives you a little bit of background and and all sorts and it's interesting that during this one they probably do something that they don't do often and they look at the prophet's mental health where it talks about the psychoanalysis of Ezekiel and which is, is difficult it says at best whenever you're dealing with someone who's lying in front of you or prodding at, at a body or mind but this idea that they're looking back at as Ezekiel and he's identified as by some people by a psychic, a schizophrenic, an epileptic, a catatonic, psychotic or paranoid. He's given many of these labels depending on which one you want to choose. And it says that the most notorious example of this approach to the prophet was the Freudian analysis offered by E.C. Broom, 
who concluded that Ezekiel was a true psychotic characterized by a narcissistic masochistic conflict with attendant fantasies of castration and unconscious sexual regression, schizophrenic withdrawal and delusions of grandeur. And so there's all this because Ezekiel is just so detailed. He's maybe doing something that nobody else up to this point had done with God. In a sense, he was seeing and telling the story of of who God was and, and the extreme detail and all that he went to do and all that Ezekiel was asked to do as he scrolls, as he sees the, these watchmen as he does all these things that, that we get and it's um, in a sense people have looked at it in that way but equally as a minister uses a story these days as I would use stories to try and prove an example maybe that's what Ezekiel is doing Ezekiel is trying to offer or illustrate their prophecy their vision with something more grand using props or presenting their symbolic view of who God is and what he looks like and so none of this really is to be taken literally um, in that sense I say that with a degree of caution because of course we, we don't know the divine we don't know God and so I I can't say that he's not like any of this and if this vision was given by God to Ezekiel and God is wanting to give us this vision for a reason uh, and maybe that's about his holiness maybe about that's his uh, transcendence which is his, his hugeness his sense of being more than we can ever imagine um, and then there's also a sense where in this we take this in a, in a symbolic way we take this not as the words or these are exactly how God is but we take the, the principles behind these of which we'll see drawn out over the next few days and as we go into week 33 um, we'll maybe see the, the signs of that and so don't take it literally don't take it to be oh well, I didn't see God in that way